Welcome to Blunt Blown Mama Podcast. I'm your host, Shanitria, and this is a podcast about all things cannabis and parenthood. Yep, I'm a mom. I got two kids. I'm 31 years old, and I got a man. We've been together for over eight years, and I decided I'm going to do a podcast And I'm just going to talk all about weed and being a mom. (laughs) So that's what I'm doing. That's been really great. That's been really fun. Then I started interviewing people and just some people who are doing really dope things in the cannabis industry. And I said, you know what? Next, I want to talk to you. So I put a call out on Blunt Blind Mama's Instagram page. And I heard back from so many of you guys who were interested in being on the Blunt Blind Mama podcast as a guest and share your story. And now this is for you guys to hear. I cannot fucking wait for you guys to hear these women, these moms, their stories. You're going to be blown away. This is so good. I'm not even going to talk anymore. Let's just get into it. Welcome to season two of Blunt Boy Mama podcast. Well, I am Bianca Snyder and I am the founder of High Society Mama. I am 37. I live in Chicago and in Southwest Michigan, but I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee and Park City, Utah. My earlier, until I was nine, I was in Memphis and then nine through 18, I was in Park City, Utah. And then I went to college at Boulder, Colorado, uh, University of Colorado. So a big pot smoking hippie fest school. And then I moved to New York City in the heydays of Sex in the City when we all just like had this inner yearning to live the Sarah Jessica Parker lifestyle or Carrie or Miranda or, you know, whatever your, your tea was, but I just needed to strut through Manhattan and be like, I am an independent woman. <laughs> it's totally worth it. It's like a, your own like coming of age. Totally necessary. So then I met my husband in Las Vegas. And that was in 2004. He lived on the in California and I lived in New York and we decided to move to Chicago together after a year or so of long distance and we've been in Chicago ever since. So we are now married for the past five years and now together at 15. So that was a really long where I'm from. I have one son and he is four going on 18. Um, He's not quite four yet, but he is a handful and a half of maturity, awesome, blowing my mindness, and it's wonderful. And it's like every time, every year that goes by, every six months, I'm like, oh, this is the best. This is the best. One's my favorite. <laughs> I haven't cut my son's hair yet. I can uh, like very much tell like 
photos and age by the length of his hair because it took so long to come in. I'm preparing myself for when the day comes that I actually have to cut it for some reason. I went through the phase with my husband of like, I'm like, I need a man bun in my life. And I've been rocked it for a while. And now it's just back to his luscious long hair or luscious hair in general without it being long. And now I haven't gotten my son to put his up in a man bun yet, but I'm looking forward to that day and it's not getting cut before then. <laughs> I love your pregnancy photos with your daughter and the little dress. I was just like, oh, so beautiful. Growing up in Memphis, my parents were ran with like the like Elvis posse crew. So they were deep in the Memphis rock and roll blues party scene. We always had cannabis in our home. I remember it being kept in, and this was when I was maybe till I was like seven years old, that in a cigar box um, on top of the speaker and They'd bring it out and roll their special cigarettes when their friends were over and they'd have a good time and they'd laugh and I'd do dances for them and love them. They've never seen me dance so well in their entire lives. (laughs) So I would say the special cigarettes worked great. (laughs) Then it took a little while until maybe say fifth grade that I put two and two together that I'm being taught, you know, this is your brain on drugs. They're talking about the same things my parents were rolling up, you know, and having a good time. So it wasn't a topic. It was just in our home and they used it. It wasn't my father smoked cigarettes and they were special cigarettes, like for special occasions. Then I, I would say maybe like seventh grade, Oh, I was the first time that I stole a joint from my mom and tried it with my friends. And then I occasionally had it, used it through high school and in college, but it was never a big thing. It was never an issue for me. I've never seen it in a bad light. I've never been opposed to it, but it just hasn't always been a regular use for me. So I just occasionally used it through maybe my 20s. And when cannabis became uh, medical in Michigan, uh, about nine years ago, we bought a property and my husband moved there, became a caregiver and started uh cultivating there. So he's been cultivating for the past nine or so years. And now we have a half acre of sort of artisanal permaculture grown, very well cared for him. (laughs) So we have our chickens out in the field and all different permaculture practices happening and uh, it gives us a lot of time to spend out in nature 
caring for the plants. So it's nice because outdoor growing for THC cannabis is not legal in Michigan. So and a, a fun project. <laughs> yeah, it's very rewarding just being able to be so hands-on with the plants and really build a relationship with them from the time that they're alive through the, you know, your use. Knowing where your product's coming from, you know, what's going into it, all of that. I think I can remember one time at my house being like out on a balcony, smoking. I don't know if I even really inhaled until maybe later in high school, college, when I had a boyfriend that had bongs and I would try a bong rip here and there and almost curl over and die from coughing. (laughs) But previous to that, I think any incidence of smoking weed was purely putting a joint up to my lips, tempting to inhale without actually getting any. (laughs) So if any of those times are really successful, (laughs) I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. And so I just, it's not part of like something that I've done. So I think it just takes a little practice. I honestly, I really am terrible at taking large hits of anything. It just is really uncomfortable for me still. So I would not say that that was a specialty of mine at any point in my life. (laughs) I mean, it's just embarrassing, but... (laughs) <laughs> as, as often as I can not do that is great joints are like how I roll <laughs> stronger than that is just putting me overboard right is I mean finding what you're comfortable with and repeating that so that you I mean you can press your limits and you can learn better you know if you want to improve a skill if you want to be better at that. But if you don't and you're happy with your consumption method that you've found, you know, whether, I mean, vape pens are so easy as long as you know where the product's coming from and it's been tested or you know who's extracting it and that they're not putting any fillers in there. I mean, that's super easy and super convenient and more power to you that you've found what works for you. That's what I love, but I also am a convenience queen. And every time I go to like pack it, I'm like, oh, why is this take so long? I have to go over and I have to grind the weed. And then I take this little bitty bit of grindings into my little bitty vaporizer just to have like a few hits. But that is my favorite, like vaporizing flour is my favorite way to consume it. It's just like this extra step that I use. If I had eight hands, then it would be like totally on my radar every day. It's so small. And then you have to pick out the stuff that's in there. And I'm like, this extra step, I have to walk over to the toilet to like dump it in there. You're sitting down, you're on the couch, you're in bed. Like why get up and dump it? A Da Vinci vaporizer. And I love it. It's amazing. It works great. It shows the temperature and everything and... I think it's really cool. I just, those extra steps. We'll skip forward to maybe like 
bong rips in college where it's like we would used to celebrate on this field called Farron Field and at 420 on 420. And this is in early 2000s, you know, before legalization and before, you know, the rec market and everything hit. But everyone would go out there and smoke and the cops would be walking around. If you had any like glass pieces, then they would confiscate those as long as you yeah, as long as you had everything like rolled, then you're good to go. And we decided to take a long rip before we walked over to the field. And my girlfriend and I had not done hits from a bong before. By the time we got over there, we're looking around and there's uh, different dormitories on every side. And we couldn't even figure out which way was which. We were so stoned. We were we were like, which way is even the exit? I don't know. I don't know. Out here, and we were just so like helpless and lost. So I mean, I think my impression from that was I was just like, okay, I don't like being that out of control. This is not for me. If I'm going to do this, I want to be like sitting in my home where I know I'm safe and I don't have to navigate through a crowd. And I think there was just a lot of that anxiety. And for anyone, I wouldn't say go get super stoned and then go somewhere you're not comfortable. Like that's not really a great intro to cannabis use. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's better to ease into it and, smoke a little less and make sure you're comfortable and then you can always smoke more, but not going somewhere that's going to be very heightened anxiety and, you know, so it's definitely changed a bit over time, just depending on sort of what my husband's up to. And at different points, like, he started playing with making edibles. So I think we went through like a full year. of We didn't even smoke flour at all. We were just doing little sort of micro doses of edibles. Then he did little like candies, um, sort of like lozenges. And so they were just really easy to have one little candy and have your little dose. And it was good. And then he started doing extractions and had a good amount of, shatter and so we had a little vape pen that just took a teeny bit of shatter that was like our go-to for probably a couple of years now i'd say we roll a lot of joints and i also use my vape pen pretty much all the time if i'm on my own it's just a vape pen on hand whenever i want it You know, I've definitely gone through the different phases and all with our own product that we've grown and extracted. But also, I'm in Chicago most of the time. We're barely going wreck in January. And this coming January is uh, wreck goes legal. And so, you know, up until then, there's not access to other products unless I'm visiting California or Colorado through the years. So Michigan has a very, I would say like California 10 years ago, lots of people, lots of producers, lots of licenses, but
but still very much like Wild West style. They haven't quite figured out all of their cost licensing processes and distribution. It's a really big state with a lot of land in between the cities. So very similar to California. I would say pretty much everyone knows. The only thing that like we had been hesitant talking about was that it was like actually an occupation. Like cultivation was or has become my husband's occupation. And so that was something that we weren't really like openly talking about. If you knew us really well, then you knew that's why we were back and forth to Michigan. But I mean, now with High Society Mama, High Society Papa online, and we do videos all the time in the field and with the plants. And so, but I mean, that's come with the recreational legalization is really what I would say, you know, is being able to make that a comfortable communication topic. It's, I think it's a lot easier to fight the stigma around it when you're talking about something that's legal versus something that's that those are two different topics of a stigma and while we still face the it's not legal nationwide the legitimacy of each state that comes online starts to begin to shift that conversation and shift people's perceptions. And there's enough media and information floating around about legal cannabis that it sets a much easier stage to start to have that conversation, you know, with your next door neighbors or your school teachers. That's where I think the friends, family, I don't think it's that Difficult. I think that once you go to those sort of that stranger peripheral circle that doesn't know you, because I think once you've validated that, like, okay, I'm an upstanding citizen in the community, you know me as a parent, you know me as a human, you know that I'm a good hearted, well intentioned person, then saying that you work within the cannabis space or you use cannabis is you've already sort of validated yourself and like set the stage that like you people know that you're a good person. You're not a criminal. You're not, you know, ill-intentioned that doing it something illegal. And then once you get to those like neighbors that don't really know you, know anything about you or your school teachers or things like that, then you don't really have that like stage set so much you know what I mean so it's like once it's legal then it's like oh we work within this legal space but prior to that it's more challenging our pregnancy was extremely planned and spot on we nailed it our first try much to my husband's dismay and <laughs> I had I had it nailed down. I was like, okay, we're trying in January. We're taking February and March off. We're trying in April and May. Then we're taking and, and just because of like the different months that I wanted to have a baby in and ridiculously <laughs> planned. <laughs> and so, I, literally, the first month that we tried. 
we had just gotten back from our honeymoon in Vietnam. And then we went and spent Christmas and New Year's in Cuba. And all of that time just had a jolly good time partying it up. And then I was like, this is it. After New Year's, you know, I'm done with everything. And we were in Utah at Sundance. I was like, well, maybe if I just smoke a little, I'm not going to drink, but I'm just going to have like one hit. It was the same night that I got pregnant. Totally fine. I mean, this is just like, you know, what the standards I set for myself. We had a great pregnancy. I had no medical problems whatsoever. I taught group fitness all through my pregnancy. I never used cannabis during my pregnancy because I just didn't feel it. I didn't feel any need for it. And so if like my personal stance on it is, you know, if you're going to use it, know what you're using it for and use the minimum amount that you need to treat whatever symptom you're treating that you, if you would otherwise use it for another pharmaceutical and you're choosing cannabis, more power to you. I'm all for, you know, taking a more natural route, but just knowing what you're using it for. And I never felt any need to use it. And I actually, my perception of pregnancy is that I was stoned out of my mind for 10 months. I mean, I was just walking around high on everything. I mean, I was, it was like a daze. I was super happy. I was super oblivious. My husband's like, hello, snap out of it. Pregnancy brain. I'm just like, woo, it's great. (laughs) So, I mean, I loved being pregnant and didn't feel any need for cannabis during that time. Um, I went to Burning Man at like nine months pregnant. Everyone's doing all sorts of different substances. And I was up partying with people and having a merry time. And when I was tired, I slept and I slept at all hours of the day. And it was great. I got to sleep whenever I want. (laughs) I thought it was great. But uh, I taught like a fitness class two days after I was due. I went into labor that night, a couple hours after teaching, and had a natural birth at a birth center. It was awesome. Used midwives. Definitely a big believer in avoiding the OBGYN hospital setting if you possibly can. And just as close as we can get to our pregnancy and to our natural ways of birthing is just so much better. And I think that all goes like hand in hand with cannabis use is that you can use cannabis as this alternative medicine to the pharmaceutical industry. But then if you turn around and you're depending on Western medicine for like every single thing, yet you're choosing cannabis as to me it's like go all in do it all (laughs) 
as, be as natural as we can. That's what I like really think that cannabis's purpose is in this like lifetime is to open people's minds to alternative plant medicine and just get us closer to natural well-being. So by the time I made it to the birth center, I was fully dilated and ready to start pushing. I mean, it's like our body is meant like your entire life leading up to that moment is like what your body was brought on this planet to do was to birth this baby. And so like what a joyous way to like experience life. It's like this just mini representation of the rest of motherhood. It's like all this effort, all this pain, all this, everything that you went through up until this moment to bring this baby into the world. And then you get to do it all over again. Like, (laughs) and it's the whole birth all over again is what parenthood like really is. Is just this, you know, ebb and flow process to get to this like beautiful result of raising a child, but it's all compressed down into one little bitty moment. I mean, it's amazing. Your body knows to numb itself. Like your body knows how to do it. Your body will send you all the endorphins it needs and the natural painkillers that you are going to make it through pushing that baby out. So it's like just trusting our body enough to, you trusted it that you could grow the baby. So like, let's trust it to push it out too. So much of that is just like so imposed by the doctors trying to control our bodies and trying to control like what, you know, using these external factors, Pitocin and epidurals. And it's like, you once you give the Pitocin, you can't go without the epidural. Now you give the epidural, your body is like, it's numb to the process. It slows down, stops contracting. It doesn't feel safe. And it's this snowball effect of Things that's like the perfect storm for them to be able to have a C-section. And I don't think enough people are educated on how that process all folds together that, you know, you're setting yourself. Once you allow that epidural, unless you're at a point where you really need it, then you might be signing yourself up for a lot more than just an epidural. They're not reading the brand insert on all of the precautions and what you need to know as side effects for the epidural to you while you're in labor, you know, and no one's reading that ahead of time. And, you know, same with half the prescription medications that are handed out to people. This is going to fix you for this, but look at all the other things you're going to cause and the other issues. I would say maybe in the first month, or so I might have used it a couple of times. I actually did an ayahuasca ceremony in about a, a month or so after birth. So that was, I mean, 
we're talking plant medicines, it's still in the scope of what we're discussing, but not cannabis. But I think just maybe here and there in social settings, but we left the country and then we went to Mexico for a month and a half when my son was like six weeks old. So I didn't have access to much there. So it's same, just like here and there. And I would say it wasn't until maybe six months after that I started using maybe a few times a week, then gradually a little bit more as he got older. So I breastfed until three years old. So that wasn't really a topic so much as a huge calling for me at the time. Uh, My husband was using it regularly. And so I would just dabble here and there. I would say like slightly, it wasn't enough to deter me, but it, it also, I wasn't certain enough about it to feel comfortable using it on a very regular basis. And I also, the first six months of breastfeeding is generally like the most concentrated, the most essential. And that's when, if I didn't really feel the need to use it, then I wasn't seeing any reason to. My personal concern of it hurting the baby is pretty minimal. I still suggest to people like, use the minimum amount you need to treat what you're using it. And if you're using it to de-stress, then that's great. But use the amount that, you know, is right for you to be able to get the results that you need without overdoing it. And I think that applies to anything that you're using while breastfeeding and anything that you're using while pregnant. And I mean, there's tons of much more harmful toxins that people put into their bodies that I mean, like, yeah, what are you eating? What are you exposing yourself to? What cleaning supplies are you using in your house? Or do you feed your six-month-old, you know, candy and fruit snacks, stuff that it's like they don't eat. All they need is your breast milk until they're a year old. You don't have to feed them gluten and hormoned chickens and you know, whatever that stuff is, just feed them breast milk and eat healthy. It's really funny to me that people put so much emphasis on feeding their baby like organic food up until some point and then they don't care anymore or themselves, their babies organic food, but then they eat crap and then they breastfeed them. I'm like, this all works together. Mom's wellness, baby's wellness. We should be looking out for all of it. And there's no reason to be concerned about giving your baby cannabis or like through your breast milk if you're going to turn around and feed them like red number five fruit snacks. You can't just look at one thing. I mean, we live in this highly toxic, crazy world and there's a lot of things that you can expose them to. You know, are they sleeping on top of a Wi-Fi router? Are they, do you have lead paint in your house? I mean, it's so numerous. The number of things that can all add up are crazy. And so 
it seems silly to me to obsess over cannabis and breast milk. There's mandatory vaccines in California and look at the ingredients there. Are you really worried about cannabis in your breast milk? And so it's like, give them some good, healthy microbes. Let them do everything. But make sure you didn't spray it with toxic chemicals. It's like, no one's perfect. You're not expected to never slip up. You're not expected to never give your kid a treat or it doesn't have to be so black and white where it's, I'm the biggest health freak ever. And my kid can't come within, you know, two feet of your candy eating kid. What, you know, like my kid has candy. Yes. It's, he's a child, but it's a treat. And it's like, you know, do we stop and get ice cream? Of course, you know, it's like you're at a fair and you eat something that's, you know, not good for you. But it's the difference of it being part of your lifestyle versus something special. And I feel the same way about cannabis use and using it responsibly and using it intentionally and just having purpose for it, like understanding what you're using it for and how you're using it and taking safety precautions with your kids so that they're aware that it is this special thing for mom or special thing for adults. And, you know, that's what sets the stage for their frame of reference, you know, their way of eating, their way of talking about cannabis and or handling it. And actually uh, something really funny that has come up this summer is my son has been running through the hemp field and he was a, a little bit careless and he knocked over a branch. My husband talked to him and he's like, this branch, this tree, this makes money. And money means more toys. If we don't make money, you're not getting more toys. And ever since that discussion, my son's like, mom, you're not being careful. This is worth money. Be able to buy toys. And he keeps repeating it back. And I'm like, gosh, I know, babe. I'm sorry. It's really just put a new perspective on money growing on trees. My son's like, well, isn't, aren't we growing more money on the tree with the trees are going to get us money, mom? Can't we go to Target and get a toy today? And I'm like, babe, we don't go buy toys every day. We have to make money. Mom has to go to work. We can't go shopping for toys. And he's like, but we're growing it on the trees. I mean, he's definitely aware of my vape pen and that it's like mom's medicine. And I mean, there's been times from like, I don't know two and a half, three-year-old, when he was three years old, that he's like, he's been like, oh, mom, you need this. And he'll hand me my vape pen, like, from like where I'm like getting frustrated that he's not going to bed. And I'm like, I don't want to read another book. He's like, mom, you need this. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? You're right. I do. <laughs> because you're making me almost lose my shit right now on story number five. I have the best app that I signed up for that is like my favorite right now. It's called Moshi Twilight. M O 
S-H-I, Twilight. And it's this sleep stories music app. And it has these sleep stories that are like so magical. And it puts you into like dreamland and tells you this wonderful story. And I don't have to read. And it puts me right to snooze town. But most importantly... I don't have to read another story. And after I make it through my two books, then I can put this on and we can both just lay there and I can like cross my fingers. I don't pass out so I can still get stuff in. I can't recommend it highly enough. They have a seven day free trial. And then I think it's like $2 a month, but 100% worth it not to read more stories. Really, really works. Give it a shot. Oh my gosh, we were in this like song loop of like every night that I was like singing a song and then he wanted to change the lyrics to like include Blippi and Spider-Man and the characters that he loves and that like need to be included in the songs. And now it's like, I really have to up my creativity, like hand me the vape pen again. It's a good one, like when they just need, like it has a lot of children's songs and it also has the sleep stories and they're always coming out with new ones. They're like 30 minutes long. You can put them on a loop so you can make playlists and it's a good app. I didn't really. Um, the only thing that I experienced, which is totally unrelated yet related, is I got shingles when my son was two and a half and shingles is produced is like if you had the chicken pox when you were younger and then you have a lot of stress in your life and lack of sleep and years uh, having being two and a half years into breastfeeding and co-sleeping and getting woke up even though I wasn't getting woken up and having to like walk to another room I was still right I mean, Having someone gnaw at your boob in the middle of the night, two and a half, we were still waking up once during the night and then again at like 5 a.m. I always went back to sleep. And so it was like, I can't complain when my kid sleeps until I hate. It's great. Thank you, breastfeeding. It was still that being woken up and I had, I had a full-time job and I was juggling motherhood and that and it was a lot and so I got shingles and I actually gave him the chicken pox but it wasn't necessarily PTSD or depression but there was a lot of stress and a lot of lack of sleep which I mean I think is very common but it still caused health problems for me so and Shortly following that, I uh, lost my job. And at the same time, that was when I was really getting High Society Mama up and going. And I think maybe around that time, I had maybe like five to 8,000 followers. Um, I just started it in like maybe six months prior to that. And so I was definitely like utilizing cannabis more within my motherhood like journey and I was stressed and I was using it to unwind and relax. And I wouldn't say it solved my problems. I wouldn't say it added to it either, but I needed to make some changes and 
took some time off from working and did, uh, I, we went to Bali. I got my yoga certification and just tried to start leading a less stressful life. And so I think that just brought awareness for me uh, that I was, I was operating like I didn't have a kid. I think I was still like in denial of like, I'm a boss woman. I can do everything. I can do anything. I can do it all. And that was like always my standpoint. Like that's how I kind of like, that was my mojo. That's how I rolled. And then I got pregnant and I was like still trying to pull that off. And, and you just can't, you have to make changes when you become a mother. And I don't think I had been like really fully willing to accept that because I was just operating at way too high of capacity. So I think everyone, you know, comes into that in their own way. And, and maybe not everyone is like programmed like me. Like I was just, a, I was a go getter. I was a get every, get shit done, bitch boss woman. And being a mother really like mellowed me out. And then you tack on cannabis and that definitely helps too. Uh, now I just, I care about being a mother a lot more. And so it comes at the expense of, that's my first priority is being a mother. And then I'm a wife and then I'm a friend and then I'm a great coworker or trying to run my business. But that's all, that all comes behind being a mother. But look at how much we beat ourselves up as if we're supposed to be back to our regular lives. And we're so hard on ourselves because we're, we're not back to our regular lives. We're trying to be a mother and do our regular life. And it just it doesn't work. And until we accept that, and until we really realize that, then you're operating in this no win zone because you're never going to win. You're never going to be the same person you were before you were a mother and be a mother. It's not going to happen. It's not possible. Who are considering using it, definitely start low dosing and with someone or in a capacity that you feel comfortable in and just see how you feel about it, easing into it, because I think it's so easy to go in, have a overwhelming experience that really is not conducive to expanding your use of the plant. And I mean, it's, it's tricky because it's like everyone's settings are so different, you know, where you are in the country and um, whether you are able to try it through a dispensary that's very educating, you know, and very like handholding versus a friend who is ready to you know help you through that process because it's all a bit daunting. And so, I mean, just starting to dig in and give it a try, but I mean, Micro doses, like two and a half grams, are a really great place to start because it's just like you know exactly how much you're going to get, as well as something like a two to one CBD to THC vape cartridge also could be really good um, just to start to feel the sensations of it without it being overwhelming. I would say... Cannabis in my life has been a instrumental vocal piece 
for speaking about natural wellness. And I see it as a segue for a lot of people into that natural wellness space. And if you can, because the plant is so, has such profound like healing properties and like people feel the effects from it and like get these positive experiences, it starts to open their eyes to other healing natural modalities. And so for me, it's been a segue to use my voice and the platform that I've created to help other people open their eyes to those possibilities. So while I've always been really into natural wellness and well-being, um, finding a way to use that to help other people has been, you know, and find my voice within that has been a challenge. And once I made that realization of that connection with cannabis, then it's for me has been life-changing. It's just such a great, like, you know, whether it's opening people's eyes to being their first step into, you know, psychedelics and that like conscious shifting sort of medicinal practice or just an alternative to alcohol as this like numbing substance. Now you can have this healing substance, like what a profound difference that is. And so, I mean, what an amazing plant. (laughs) I could do all these things. I don't see any reason that that would be necessary, but I mean, who knows? Can't see the future. I would just mainly tell them to look at all of the environmental factors that they are including in their life and in their child's life and put those up against cannabis. And then let's talk about what's more dangerous. The mission of High Society Mama, very much like you, was just building a community of allowing people to know that using cannabis within motherhood is okay if that's what you choose. And there is a community here for you to fit in with and communicate with and know that there's other people doing the same thing as you are. There's a place for us all. And whatever type of parent you are, there's other moms out there that will stand by you. So finding and creating that community around moms that use cannabis in a very, whatever level of discretion that, you know, you're comfortable with. And you don't have to be open about it on social media in order to be a very successful, thriving cannabis using mom. (laughs) You know, that's what like my voice is there for. And, you know, as everyone chimes in and contributes just builds on the community more and I'm also now building a web store and developing some products so that is what is next on High Society Mama's horizon is some different products so I'm hoping by the end of October so we're getting pretty close 
but there's a lot of pieces to pull into place and only so many hours of childcare a day. So again, can't beat ourselves up. We're going at the pace that, you know, is okay for us. And that's what's you know important. That's what comes first. Thank you so much for having me on here. And I love what you're doing. And I will definitely get a care package out to you as soon as we are rocking and rolling. So it's been like a different journey because it's just like, I'm not in the heat of it all. So much happening in California and we're just like light years behind everyone. But it also gives me a really good real world perception on I think people in California and Colorado definitely are a little bit jaded by, yeah, you're in a bubble of cannabis light years ahead of the rest of the country. So it's, you're operating at your own pace that's really farther, faster and ahead of other places. And so I think being in the Midwest helps keep me grounded and a little bit connected to moms and communities that are sort of all over and that are not as far along in process pretty new i mean it's just so different everywhere thank you guys for listening to another episode of blunt boy mama podcast this is season two i am so happy to be bringing this to you guys i hope you enjoyed this episode and i can't wait for you guys to hear next week's episode which will be airing next thursday yeah If you like what you're hearing, then you should definitely share this podcast with a friend, with a cousin, with a family member. (laughs) And if you're really feeling it, you know, if you like it, then you should leave a review on it. (laughs) If you like it, then you should leave a review on it. (laughs) On Apple Podcasts, that is where you are able to rate and review this podcast. If you enjoy it, I would love that. Thank you in advance if you are which I know you are doing that. (laughs) Also follow Blunt Boy Mama on Instagram, follow Blunt Boy Mama on Twitter, follow BBM Clothing Line on Instagram, which is Blunt Boy Mama merch. That's where you can shop it, buy it, cop it, tag me in it, tag BBM Clothing Line in it and get featured on Blunt Boy Mama's page. Yeah, check it out. You guys are already loving it, but I love it too. So like, of course you guys are going to love it. I would not be giving y'all something that's like shit. It's not shit. It's the shit. It's dope. Some dope ass merch. So you should definitely check it out. And you can also like Blunt Boy Mama on Facebook. You can become a Blunt Boy Mama patron by clicking the link at the top of the page on bluntboymama.com backslash podcast. Y'all, you know I'm high. (laughs) And once you do that, you'll see a link at the top of the page. It says page that says click here to become a Blunt Boy Mama patron. And there you can sign up and for as little as $2 <laughs> and you can get up to three extra episodes of the podcast a month. You get shout outs here on the podcast. You will also get free merch. I mean, need I say more? You're able to communicate with me directly. Come on. So it's really, it's a good deal. And at the end of the day, you know that you're supporting a black woman's podcast, a black mom's podcast, and it means the world to me to have the support of the patrons that I do have. Thank you so much, you guys. And I appreciate all of you guys' support and everything and all the love and all the messages. I read them all. So thank you so much for all of your support. Thank you for listening. 
Until next time, bye.